Well, I love the hills. Mm-hmm. It's got the hills. It's got Poppy Peak and your, you know, canyons and valleys. And I walk a lot. And so I'm constantly walking up and down these big hills, but I, I'm always appreciating them, especially when you, you know, when you do get to the top. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A., Garvanza edition. Today, we talk with Gordon Henderson. Gordon works at L.A.'s number one public radio station for news and talk, KPCC in Pasadena, where he has been an announcer slash audio production specialist for the last 16 years. He's also a talented artist whose work will be displayed at the Space Gallery on Walnut Street in Pasadena. If you can't make that, you can order his annual calendar like I've been doing for the last several years. It ain't like any other calendar you're going to find at no Walmart, I'll tell you that right now. Speaking of right now, let's head over to Gordon's Man Cave in Garvanza. And if you listen close, you might even hear a little rain. Gordon, we're here in your uh, studio in Garvanza, which is uh, right next door to your beautiful home. Um, How long have you lived here in Garvanza? 20 years. We moved in in almost exactly 20 years ago. What made you choose Garvanza? Well, we saw on Zillow or one of those kinds of things, a home for sale. And it was smaller than any of the other homes that we'd been looking at. But when we drove up, we drove up Oak Crest Way. And on the crest of Oak Crest Way is an oak. And we saw that and we thought, wow, there's a tree in the middle of the street. And that was kind of a step up for us. When we saw the house, we kind of felt right away that this is a nice place. It's really small. But it's nice. It sits in the land well. It's got a hill behind it. It's got a view. And we'll make it work. Now, Gordon, we know each other because I used to work with you at KPCC. We're former colleagues. That's right. And uh, what? tell everybody what you do at KPCC. Well, the easy answer is I'm an announcer. What we call it in the business is production. And what I do is I produce announcements that you hear between programming. Can you give me an example of what we might hear? Do we hear your voice? You hear my voice, but we also we have a team, so it's not just me. Um, I have colleagues, and it's what me and basically one other person, Marley. I'm the male voice, she's the female voice, and then we have a team of other people that we cast in spots that are appropriate for them. So uh, an example might be, you're listening to KPCC. KPCC supporters include... There you go. <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? About nine years, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you... I did voice work before that. Where at? A lot of it at the Braille Institute. On Vermont? Yes, on Vermont. And Melrose. Yeah, Vermont and Melrose. How That's about right. that? Right yeah. next to LACC? That's right. And I would record books on tape, or I also would record the newspaper. Anything that people would have trouble reading people who are visually you, you would know, read the whole there. newspaper for our blind friends not the whole newspaper we would section it mm-hmm. and we would read parts of it like the grocery store ads you would read those yeah, too? we would read the grocery store ads because people need to know the bananas need are to 29 know, cents yeah exactly they need to know where the bargains are i never thought of that before it was arranged so that they could call on the phone and listen to the grocery store ads or other like magazines and newspapers too 
Do you think this service is still available to them? Yes, I think it That's is. Fantastic. But I, I'm not connected with them now, so I don't. Right. I can't really say much about it. Well, shout out to our blind listeners. If if this voice sounds familiar, it's Gordon. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, you moved here 20 years ago. Yeah, you know, on November 9th, 2002, what? almost a year to the day. For those of you who, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but this is almost November 9th. It, yeah, and it was it was raining the day we moved in. How like it is raining today. Crazy. Maybe this interview was meant to be. Maybe it was. Uh, where'd you live before here? Echo Park. Oh. Yeah, and I was in Echo Park for a number of years. And loved it, mm -hmm. but it was time to move. We ran into a little bit of a situation. I had a well, I had a baby. You know, circumstances were such that we really needed to have our own place. Mm -hmm. It was a great motivator for us doing that. You know, saving the money and getting a house, which was affordable then. What was Echo Park like twenty years ago? Well, it was loads of fun in the nineties mm -hmm. um, because it was affordable. There was a, the social music scene was happening. There were tons of people around uh, who were your peers. There was a light-headed, light-heartedness. Maybe there was light-headedness too, but there, there was a light-hearted, well, positive I, feeling in the, in the neighborhood. Today, there's the uh, Echo and the Echoplex. Were yes. there were there other uh, venues uh, in Echo Well, Spaceland was the main thing back yeah. then. That which is, of course, was in Silver Lake, now but, closed. But super, super, yeah. Do you remember who you saw at, at Spaceland? By the way, that was oh, one of my favorite clubs. A lot of, you know, I saw all of the local bands. Oh, I, I'm drawing a blank when I think of them. <laughs> well, the Geraldine Fibbers was one. Mm -hmm. Extra Fancy, Touch Candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Possum Dixon. There you go. And I saw the national acts there, too. See, that was a well, pop quiz. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, I we're, we're digging and back I've 30 completely years failed. I really drew I really drew a blank on a lot okay. of that. We'll I could cut this part. there were a few people that I could name, but are you a cigarette smoker at all? No. I my friends who were loved it because they had that smoking room back there. Uh, remember that? It was kind of enclosed. They had a, a but like there a, was a couple different configurations. There, and were. there was one. There was they at one point they moved the stage and they made a little sort of upstairs area where That's there right. was a pool table. Yeah. And that's where that's you could smoke. A, that was a later. Yeah, so that you could smoke up there. I, yeah. I didn't remember that. but Yeah, the stage used to be where closer to the bathrooms. And yes. then they moved it closer to the front door. That's right. They moved it on the opposite side. Yeah. So you'd walk past the stage on your way in. Yeah. Just, and they, 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 in the bathrooms, they had the, it was, the urinal was a big trowel. <laughs> I knew someone who uh -oh. climbed into that trowel one evening. <laughs> Dudes in bathrooms. Yeah. You got to watch out. Yeah. Okay. So you've been in Garvanza now for 20 years. That's right. I don't think a lot of people know much about Garvanza, but I'll tell you, here in LA is is based on the LAist neighborhood project that I created in 2007. And we had a young woman and she did her neighborhood project on Garvanza. And it was such a hit. It was, it was probably the biggest hit that we had in the project because she showed all these beautiful homes. And I don't think most people even knew that Garvanza existed. Uh, I think a lot of people just drive right past it on their way to Highland Park. Right. And a lot of people think of it as Highland Park. I mean, I, in myself included, I 
people ask, and usually the first thing I say is Highland Park. But I one time looked it up on a map, and I thought I was sort of Garvanza adjacent, but no, I'm really in the heart of Garvanza, <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah. But it's, it's actually not, yeah, it's right. It's not, people don't use the name a lot. Mm-mm. Which but is weird. It was, early, it was one of the early settlements of, of Los Angeles. Was so, it? Yeah. And, and since you've lived here for so long, what do you think makes it unique? Well, I love the hills. Mm-hmm. It's got the hills. It's got Poppy Peak and your, you know, canyons and valleys. And uh, I walk a lot. And so I'm constantly walking up and down these big hills. But I, I'm always appreciating them, especially when you, you know, when you do get to the top. For those of you who have only heard Gordon's beautiful voice, he is a slender man, excellent shape, full head of hair, um, and so the walking is paying off. It is paying off, but that's still, and I have always had, and not just now, but always, I've had basically the same body shape as a stick of fettuccine. <laughs> um, does Poppy Peak have poppies? Probably does. You don't remember any poppies up there? I'm not at liberty to discuss. All right, fine. Exact, but yes, the, there are various poppies. It's our state flower. It is our state flower. But I hear we're not allowed to pick them. Have you heard this? I haven't heard that, but I, could be wrong. A, I have a poppy story. Oh, please. There were some poppies, the, the, more, the, the same poppies that people cultivate the opiates from, mm-hmm. growing behind the bus stop here at Springvale and Figueroa. Okay. And they were growing there, and, and everybody saw them. And we're, and we're lo- looking. It's like, well, there's poppies growing there. And then one day they weren't there. And another f- one friend said to me, wow, somebody took the poppies. And Abira, my wife and I, were thinking, well, I think we know who took the poppies. And we asked them, and they had taken the poppies. <laughs> did they explain what they did with these poppies? Again. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, Your Honor. Yeah. I see no problem with any of this. No, and it's all, it's all fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, you mentioned your wife, Ibira. 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 How do you spell yeah. it? A-B-I-R-A. What kind of name is that? It's South Asian. Well, I mean, Indian. Oh. Where did you guys meet? We met in Ohio. Because I went to a boarding school when I was when I was growing up, my friend, my best friend Toad Ray, went to a boarding school, and I was pretty much a garden variety misfit. But I had a best friend, Toad Ray, and so we had lots of fun together. But then we hit ninth grade, and he went to boarding school, so I didn't, and I was miserable, and he was having lots of fun. So I convinced my parents, who actually couldn't afford it, but they, I, you know, we went ho- canvassing door to door, and I had a job, and you know, I so I earned money, and we ended up. I ended up going to the boarding school, and I was there for one year, and then I was asked not to return. <laughs> what? So I went back the next year. You, you, okay, so there's more that goes. There's okay. There's more to that story. You, you decline their uninvitation. No. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Right. It was a it was a strange place because it was a religious boarding school. It was a Quakers, 
And I had never had any religion in my life. So I was not prepared to be in a religious environment. And then there were also all kinds of social problems. It was the late 70s and, you know, they were starting to tamp down on the partying that, you know, most of the 70s generation had done. That was a big partying generation. So they were trying to tamp down on that pretty unsuccessfully and make it a more religious curriculum that didn't quite work out for me. So I was asked not to return. But while I was there, and this, maybe this will fit in for later in our conversation, while I was there, the Bible teacher, who was a, what I would consider a true mystic, oh. he, he told the class that one of his students had rewritten the Bible, had called him at three in the morning and said he'd rewritten the Bible and it was terrible. And I thought, that's great. I bet I could do that and it would be even worse. <laughs> So I did that. In, when, in one of my notebooks, I decided I was going to rewrite the Bible and I was going to leave out anything to do with religion. So I did that and I had an epiphany and that was that I was an artist. And so I declared myself an artist. And this, this is the time of, it was about 1980. So it's, it was sort of at the end of the first wave of punk rock. And so there's this idea that you can do things that you maybe aren't trained to do. Mm-hmm. There's that, there was that idea. And I was, because I had always thought of myself as not as a, not an artist because I was, you know, I had no artistic skills as far as I could tell. My cousin could, you know, he could draw something and it was representational. So it wasn't me, but I decided I was going to do it anyways because I had, you know, I'd had this moment by rewriting the Bible, which seems like a teenage prank, and that it was. But it wasn't, I wasn't intended to be blasphemous or anything. It was just, mm-hmm. it was, it was just this exploration I did, this event that I did, um, or stunt, maybe you'd say. But the thing is, it affected me much more than I thought. And the ironic thing is, I found God, and God being, from my interpretation, God being creative work, being, you know, becoming an artist. I love it. So I, be, I became an artist and at that moment, and boarding school had been a sober experience, a sobering experience, but it, I wasn't sober much at the time. But <laughs> by then, when I, once I'd found out that I wanted to be an artist and I started working creatively, then I actually became a sober person over the next year or two. You know, I, I've always wondered how... The talking heads fit into the punk rock scene of New York. You remind me so much of David Byrne. Have people ever said that yeah, to you? People have said that, and I, I used he, my dad, and David Byrne. When David Byrne was wearing those suits, mm-hmm. were very they strikingly resembled each other. How about that? Um, but my dad was wearing them unironically. They were they were the suits <laughs> that he wore to work. My friend used to say, "Yeah, your dad, he he needs to go and." take legal action against David Byrne because he stole his look. Well, and and obviously I mean this as a compliment, and who doesn't love David Byrne? Who doesn't love the Talking Heads? But I think the great thing about the Talking Heads is here's this guy that looks like he's a college professor, but he's clearly on a different wavelength. He's clearly smart and creative and a step ahead of you. And... I feel like the same with you. Well, thank you. That's one of the things I liked about uh, 
the, the music explosion of that time was that they were taking these expectations and then kind of turning them around. Yeah. And that's one of the things about the Ramones, too. Another group that I really loved back then was that Joey Ramone, you know, he looked like a guy, he was a skinny geezer, just like me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, a t- he was a tall guy, and he was gawky, and I was like, I could really relate to that. And yeah. so here, he wasn't what you thought of as a rock star. He didn't look like Jimmy Page. No. He didn't look like Mick Jagger. He wasn't I mean, he was, but he wasn't immediately what you think of as a cool-looking guy. Mm-hmm. He, you know, but and yet, I mean, and and he, in his heart, he was a true rock star. Oh, for sure. But I feel like at his core was a guy who would fit in just as well with a doo-wop band in the fifties. That he really loved Del Shannon and oh like, yeah, all yeah, that like exactly. older stuff. They really loved that stuff, like just like as, bubblegum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just as much as Sex Pistols types of music. Yeah, you know, and and so it was a nice amalgam of of super hardcore and like some of the most beautiful love songs, you know. That's, that's true. And, yeah, and and all of it's coming out of CBGBs. Yeah, you didn't have to just sound like one sound. Um, you know, Blondie's coming out of there too, right. and. Um, so so it's yeah. so funny. I, I the theme of punk rock in the seventy five episodes we've done here continues it comes up it become, it all begins, the time. begins to come up. Well, yeah. with, with with people who aren't twelve, you know, right. if you've been around the block, um, you you probably you probably there's something about punk rock that you love. Yeah, you know, I think I think what it what punk rock gave people our age and older and and younger also it's it's kind of like what we got from punk rock was permission. That's right. It's like permission to be yourself without apologizing. To you know, uh, to feel comfortable, you know, like you know, having you into my sort of rugged, my rustic studio and just like feel feel comfortable with that. Just like to be to to feel comfortable with yourself. Yeah. I think I mean that's what I got from it because I'm not um you know, I I don't know. I'm not <laughs> I'm just my myself, and yeah. I, I, but I I kind of got licensed to just be at home with myself mm-hmm. from punk rock, having grown up in that time. It was like that, I took comfort in that because, especially at that point in my life when I first started recognizing this was the music of my, this was like my music, this mm-hmm. is the music of my generation. I I was discovering that while I was at this boarding school and sort of being thought of as not someone who didn't fit. Yeah. Let's talk about your art a little bit. Um, you, first of all, I love your art. Thank you. I appreciate it. Totally that. love your art. I think I've bought all the calendars that you've made as long as I've known you. That makes sense. Uh, how long have you been making your calendars? I made the first one in 1985 it, by mistake. It was, I just needed a, I needed a Christmas gift and I didn't have anything. So I took all the originals out of my sketchbook and I put them in a yellow notebook binder and punched holes in them with a hole puncher which i 
actually walked out of Woolworths without paying for. Now, Woolworths is now uh, out of business. Yeah. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> uh, but recently, well, okay, one of, one of the, like a couple of years ago, you did one that was all about Highland Park. Two, yeah, I did two. That I did 19... No, not 19. 2019 uh-huh. and 2020 yeah. were both Highland Park. And the reason that I, I, I love... Well, first of all, your style is, is really unique. You're obviously a talented artist. Um, are these watercolors that you're using? It's well, you know, I would if if there's one thing that's the base of everything I do, it would be pen and ink. Okay. So it's it's black India ink. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, there are watercolors, gouache, and acrylic, liquid acrylic. So the pen and ink for maybe the outlines of the figures, and right. then you color it with right. Well, what I and with with the specifically the um, the buildings, I did I did I went around painting my favorite landmark businesses in Highland Park, most of which were on North Figueroa Street. And those are done on birchwood panel. And what I did was when I would walk around on the street, I would take pictures of the buildings, and then I would pencil in the outline of it on the birchwood. And then I painted it, painted in all the color, and then the last thing would be the ink. Then I would ink the, the outline. Well, and, and also your, your, your choices of subjects are mom-and-pop stores for the most part. Right. Ramshackle-looking kinds of handmade places, places that really have character, places where the people who ran those businesses were regular people who did not have a lot of money, but they had an idea yes. of a dream, or, and, they, and they provided a service. Mm-hmm. A lot of them still do. A lot of the places that I... Like some of them would be like Uno Market, mm-hmm. which has, you know, it's gone through changes, but it's still thriving. Yeah. Um, did, did you give uh, either calendars or, or copies of prints postcards. to these Postcards. I think I gave postcards. them postcards. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like the bakery, I would give them postcards. And what was, what was their uh, response? Well, sometimes they were a little nonplussed. Really? They just weren't, they just didn't, I think they, they weren't against it. They just didn't understand why someone would be doing a painting of their business. But then, I mean, but then they, then they like would, they would open up a little bit when they thought about it. Isn't that interesting? Because it, 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 it is tribute. Of course. You know, I'm, I'm doing tribute. And I also, I'm, I also wanted to document the neighborhood as it was. At that, it's like at, at that moment, I wanted to look at the neighborhood yes. and remember this moment because, I kind of, I love ephemeral things. And that's part of the thing about calendars. They're ephemeral. They're dead. Mm-hmm. After, uh, you know, come January 1st of the next year, they Oh, are no, dead. they're not, sir. <laughs> I cut out my favorite ones and I put them on the wall. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, so there are people who do that. Yeah, there, there are people who save them. But I mean, but generally, they are, For the, they're it, done. I mean, the, their original intent is yeah. no longer. They've served their utilitarian purpose. That's and, right. And but I got to tell you, most of the time, and maybe I'm just an unorganized man, but I don't really look at the calendar part. I look at the, the picture. That's kind of how I am, too. But I do actually consult it because some <laughs> there are, of course, times when I don't know what the actual date is or when like a holiday appears or something you, you like that. You know where you came in, in, in uh, handy the other day was daylight savings time. I realized that all I the am clocks reliable and, for that. Yes, 
all the clocks in my house are tuned in to the internet. So everything changed except for my microwave. And and I was like, why And they could be it? a pain in the neck. I was like, why is it so dark right now? And I looked at your calendar and it said, hey, Tony. Daylight it's time to put the clock back. Yeah. Fix yeah. the fix the microwave. Yeah. I uh, have you done shows with your art? Oh yeah. Are you mm-hmm. do you plan on any shows? I, I in mean the future? I have I I have one up now. It it ends on the tenth, which is only a few days from now. And by right. the time you hear this, it will be over. Do but, do 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 you sell your originals? I, I see. Yes. Oh, I see yeah. right here. Uh, is this yours? No. That, that looks like somebody that else. Done, that is done by Irma Freeman, who is my wife's grandmother, maternal grandmother, mm-hmm. and she's actually a pretty well-known painter. Oh. Uh, she lived in Pittsburgh, hmm. and she, you know, painted all the time. And inspired a lot of different people. Now there's a Irma Freeman Center for Creative Imagination, which is a like an art center named after her. Your your new cal- your your forthcoming calendar is called Metamorphosis. Yes. These paintings, how big are the originals? The originals are twenty two by twenty two. In fact, they're twenty two inches. Have some here, yeah. Twenty two inches by twenty two. Yeah. So, the, but most of them, not all of them, they're not all the same size. Some of them are quite a bit smaller like the smallest one would be i think nine by nine inches is 22 by 22 a common size in art is that what a no canvas and particularly is? not for me but you can get, i mean obviously you can get things like no because normally i think it would be it would be 22 by some other dimension you're being punk rock even in your sizes i'm yeah <laughs> guilty just admit it <laughs> Yes, why? Why? That's maybe one of the nicer things you could say about me. But you know, <laughs> like this, it's I like the square format, and okay. so I cut them to twenty-two by twenty-two, okay. and and, the, and they when you get them, the, and it is a standard size, but it's twenty-two by twenty-six, I think. Or you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. I imagine at these shows, people want to buy the originals. Yeah, I do sell them. Approximately how much for an original? Well, it varies. You don't um, have to answer. Yeah, well, I don't mind answering. Okay. But um, we have some in the show that we have now. There's a show, Metamorphosis, which was at Hey There Projects. And like I said, it's just about to end. It, it was at Hey There Projects, which is a gallery and store in Joshua Tree. Beautiful store. And they're a great gallery. And they 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 have a lot of great artists, a lot of colorful uh, people of varying um, points in their career. Some of them are very well-known, and some of them are emerging artists. Mm-hmm. But they have basically one thing in common. With, I mean, they they fit the Hey There aesthetic, which is an interesting aesthetic. And it's you could say that it's somewhat folk art-based. Okay. Uh, how much, Mr. Henderson? Okay, so let's take a look. The, in the in the show, um, the answer is how much do you got? The, yeah, um, like say some like this was in the show, Cinderblock Sunrise. That was in the show, and it was I, it's a framed paper, and it was five hundred dollars. It's twenty two by twenty two. That's a very reasonable it's price. It's a very reasonable price. Yeah, yeah, and like here's, let's see. Uh, when you price something at five hundred bucks, it's priced to sell. You, yeah, you're you're yeah. trying to get rid of them. 
I'm fine with getting rid of them. I, I want them to go out in the world and be, yes. give somebody else pleasure. It's not giving me that. I mean, I like it. I'm still looking at it, and I still, I'm, I'll always like it. Yeah. But it'll be, you know, if it's framed, it's going to be like the frames that you have that I have in the studio. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're stored. Right. And most artists, I don't think they want that. Although, you know, artists, some do hoard their work, and I'm not really about that. I, I actually want people to have it in their homes. Have you ever felt sad after you've sold a, a piece? Yeah, I think so. I, 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 well, I mean, not like sad, but... but you, you miss it. There, Yeah, uh, usually that comes later. Oh. When somebody... And, and to be perfectly honest, it's when somebody asks for it and it's already sold and they ask for it and I don't have it. That's actually the most sad. Well, you know. but, but you're the artist. You can make a different version if you want. I have done that. And I hey. don't do that a lot. Right. But I actually, the funny thing is with this calendar, I did because um, there was a, they had a summer show and I took, there were a few drawings which sold right away, but I wanted them for the calendar. So I had to, I redrew them. They weren't exactly alike. That's okay. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, you're the like only one that would know, right? They're not going to be the, Right. But um, they're going to be they're going to be different just because I'm. But I also want it to be different because yeah. it's not super exciting to draw the same thing a second no. time. No. What astrological sign are you? Virgo. Do you believe in all that stuff? I believe that it, there is a lot of real that it's real, but I don't pay that much attention to it. All right. daughter sir i do how old is your daughter she's 21 so she's, that means she was raised in this house yeah she she we had she was she was one year old when we moved here mm -hmm. but of course she doesn't really remember the apartment we lived in right uh the reason i ask is many people when they talk about la before they have children say things like i would never have children in la it's too dangerous I'd rather move to the Midwest. I'd rather move to Florida. You have successfully raised a daughter in L.A., in Garvanza. What would you say to oh, those people? Yeah, I don't subscribe to that at all because I think that it was great. You know, I think that she, she had a great childhood. I mean, she went to a lot of different schools early on. Like there, we did do the school thing where sometimes a school wouldn't work out. Mm -hmm. But... She really benefited from, say, a lot of the adults we knew. She she was exposed to all kinds of different people. She, you know, benefited from that. People who were different from her parents, different uh, people, how? Uh, artists, and uh, from they're from different cultures and mm -hmm. different things. She and she really benefited from th a lot of things that were uniquely L.A. And then when she got to high school, she. She had, you know, she has great friends who she's grown up with and from, they maybe didn't go to the same school, but mm -hmm. maybe they did. And she, high school was a good experience for her, mm -hmm. which is so different than me. Uh, did she go to Eagle Rock High? No, she went to Loxa. 
L.A. County High School for the Arts, oh. um, which benefits from having a lot of you know access to professional artists and you know people from the creative community of the greater LA area so she really got a lot out of so she's a creative person too oh yeah yeah she she was she's sort of a born artist I mean we we have a picture of her when she was a baby drawing that we just looked at it the other day and we thought this must be one of the first times she ever held a pencil and she's sitting there drawing wow and she's just a tiny baby, and she, she's also ambidextrous. So she has and has a great imagination. So. Is, is she really left-handed? Yeah, I've I've found that a lot of lefties. Are you left-handed? No, but my brother is, and I've found that a lot of lefties end up being ambidextrous because they, especially in school, the teachers try to get them not to be left-handed. Right. And I think there is something about their brain that they're like, well, screw it, I'm going to do both then. Somehow that worked for her. It worked to yeah. her advantage. So she can write or she can play guitar. She, she, um, she plays a traditional right-handed person's guitar. Uh-huh. But she you know, is more left-handed than, right, than right-handed. Wow. Okay, one thing that I love about your social channels, um, I think mostly Facebook, is you, your wife, and your daughter just seem to just really love each other in a very creative, almost quirky way. Yeah, you know, we, we, get, we, get along, we do get along really well. We, we are friends. And like, well, Abira, of course, is we're collaborators. I mean, Eliza, too. I mean, Eliza has really contributed a lot to the calendars. And it, like, we go to her a lot for because like she is a fully developed artist at this point. She's an adult and she's multidisciplined, too. So we... You know, we consult with her all the time, and her she's has good ideas, and you know she. The thing about I think part of this, what you're getting at, is when we had a child, and we had the sort of child who she was never a baby. She just wanted to get on with it and be doing whatever we were doing, <laughs> because we were we were doing stuff, and she wanted to do. She wanted to be doing that too. Huh. And so she. Wasted no time in just like, you know, she wanted to be an equal. She wanted to be an equal in this family. That was always what she was about. She, From the beginning. She, yeah. So, and even as, like as a baby, she wasn't going to waste time just staring off into space like babies do or whatever babies do. She wasn't, she wanted none of it. Did you have, uh, she didn't want to be a Disney princess? No, not for a, even a, a second. So what kind of... What kind of childish things was she into instead of Disney? Oh, she and... was occasionally in musicals. Oh. You know, we would see her, and she would be standing on the porch and singing and looking off into the distance, and we would know that she was in a musical. Like, she would, like, write the whole musical in her mind, and and that was what she would be doing. And she also would build a la elaborate sort of fantasy scapes with drawings and other projects that she would do. She also made dolls and things like that and wrote songs. And You know, she was very free as a child. So is she studying art in, uh, yeah, in, it, in school? Yeah, she is. Let's talk a little more about Garvanza. Okay. Are there any good places to eat in Garvanza? People always ask about food. And I'm like, just go to In-N-Out. And they're like, no. What's in the neighborhood? Well, there's a few different places. I mean, one of the places in which I've documented is the pizza place. 
I'll have I actually I'll, I have it here in my postcards. I should have it here. Italiano's pizza. Italiano's. Yes, and they they have a forty inch pie. I feel like this was twenty nineteen ish. I would call it twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. So yeah. a few years ago. By the way, they've re they've remodeled it. That's that recently remodeled it. Now they've it's sort of it's got a sort of an orange look, and rather than that sort of gray look that it has there. Gordon, it's so nice to talk to you in this, and thank you for spending time with me. Thanks for coming here. Maybe you guys can hear some of this rain that's pouring. We, it, it's so rare that we get rain. It's so nice. But the reason I want to thank you is your art has been in my house for years through these calendars. I, I think it's it's the best calling card for artists, don't you? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the thing about the calendar. Like yeah. people see your work and they see it year, year round day. and they see different parts of it. Yeah, that has worked out. And like I said, I stumbled on it, onto it sort of accidentally. And I didn't, but it, at the time I was thinking about what now, what could I do that fits for me when I'm sort of going public with art? Because I didn't necessarily see myself as a gallery artist. Mm. I mean, and I do that. Mm -hmm. I do, I do have shows, but... I wanted something that was kind of mine, and it turned out to be something obvious and utilitarian, which was calendars, and I've, yeah. that's been a constant thing. So I've done it a long time now. So Italiano pizza. Yeah. Uh, what kind of pizza is it? I don't, I don't, when I look at you, I don't it's see a, a pizza man. I, you know, I don't eat, actually eat there that much. <laughs> we used to go, when they get, they had the 40-inch pizza, so okay. we would get, we got those for a few of Eliza's y okay. birthday we're, parties. We're looking at, we're looking at your, your it's desk It's my work here. table, yeah. Would, would a 40-inch pizza fit on this yes. giant work yeah. table? Yeah, if, if, if the party was going to be happening here at the house, we could put the pizza down here, people could go up on the deck, and they could come back. Is it a round pizza, pizza or is it a rectangle? It's round, oh. That's all right. It's the biggest pizza around. Yeah. But it's great for a kid's party. <laughs> Where do you and your wife like to eat when you eat? And it doesn't have to be garbanzo. One place we go to not infrequently would be Kitchen Mouse, which is down on Figueroa. That's like Avenue 59 in Figueroa. What do they serve there? It's largely vegan, but it's not all vegan. Mm -hmm. And we, I was there the other day, and, we, and I had the Huevos Rancheros. Ooh. Have and you started to become vegan over time? No, but I don't eat a lot of meat. I pretty much don't eat meat, but I, I'm not what you'd call a vegan either because mm -hmm. I do eat eggs and yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, let, let, let's turn back to art real quick. Okay. I feel like, just like your story about um, how you decided that you were an artist, sometimes it just happens. Right. When you, were you always confident in your art that, that you could make something and you felt okay showing it to people? I was just thinking I did not show it to people that much. It, it was kind of a private matter. Like I said, like when I was rewriting the Bible, I did that, but it was only like to show my friends and, and, and me. It was really for my benefit. And I, I used to write poetry on little note cards, and I would put them in a stack, and I'd put them under my bed. You know, I wouldn't do poetry readings or anything uh -huh. like that. But that, that, was part, that, was how it, that's, that was how it started. And I spent a good five years like doing that, you know, working sort of as a student, even though I wasn't technically a student for this. This was a really a private matter. It was very personal. Yeah. But then when I started making the calendars, like I made that first one just as a gift, and it was such a fiasco that I decided, well, I'm going to actually do it and do like 25 of them, which I did. 25, I made an edition of 25, which is really a perfect 
edition because it's like that's pretty intimate. Mm-hmm. But they were popular and people started buying them. Yes. And that wasn't something that I really had had a, you know, idea that I had I decided I was going to do that. It just sort of happened that way. Why did you poems under the bed? Oh, uh, just cuz I was done with them. And that's the, the, that's the, the place what where they it was go? what it was a, it was about writing them. You, you didn't show them to your parents? Well, I didn't want to scare them. <laughs> what were they about? <laughs> Just whatever came dark? to mind. No, sometimes, but they they were just whatever came to mind. So I, when I was, I guess, in around 20, in early 20s, and I, w- I was in San Francisco, and I would ride the trains all the time, the Muni trains, mm-hmm. the light rail. Mm-hmm. And I would well, always have... What was your favorite line? Well, that would be the El Terravel. That was because um, we lived in the sunset, so yeah. I would always ride the El Terravel, uh-huh. which we called the El Terrible. I lived in San Francisco for a little while. My favorite lines were the F Market and the N Judah. Good lines, yeah, to be sure. Because I lived on uh, Lower Hate for a little while, yeah, and then in the Mission. I, I lived there briefly on on in both those places. I did live briefly. But we live in LA now. Why right. did Why did you uh, move to LA? Well, the first thing that I did was I moved to New York from San Francisco because. Uh, my wife, Abira, who I knew, uh, I fancied her. Uh-huh. She was my, of course not, we weren't married then, but mm-hmm. I fancied her and she lived in New York. So I, would go, I started going to New York back and forth quite a bit. And then I just moved there. Yeah. Where in New York did she live? She lived, when, when I um, started, got together with her, she lived at 160th Street and Broadway, Washington Heights. Wow. Isn't that a black neighborhood? It was largely Dominican, actually. Ooh. Good food? But it's mixed. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was a grocery store across the street, the Foodorama, which had, (laughs) out front, they had avocados the size of footballs. It was a different kind of avocado than we're used to. Yeah. And they were of the kind of place, it was a big, like, sort of grocery store, like, almost as, not as, not maybe as big as Vaughn's, but bigger than, than a corner store. And it was a place with straw on the floor huh. and salsa blaring, and there would be people dancing in the aisles. And I was from a city, you know, but I, when I went there, it was like, wow, this place is interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it re- I mean, it really was interesting. These, these football-sized avocados. Yeah. Did they taste like avocados or did they taste different? Did you ever buy they one? Were, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they were... They were different. There was a different taste than yeah. the, the Haas avocados that, right. we, that we all know and love. We, yeah. They were kind of greener. But that was a really a pretty amazing experience living there. I bet. Yeah. And then you both decided to move to San Francisco? No. We moved to L.A. From, we, oh, you moved to L.A. from New York. Yeah. But we, so we, that, was one of, that was the first apartment that we were in together. But we, did move, we moved from there to Avenue C. And then soon after we moved to Avenue C... They had a flea market that was like an impromptu kind of flea market that was set up on Sunday mornings. And one Sunday morning, we look out the window, and we could see that the police are clearing the flea market. You know, they're, they're clearing everybody away, and everybody, everybody's gone. And then they brought in a, a makeshift stage and a microphone and the TV cameras, and, and then a local politician, I forget who it was, went up and made a speech. And we we're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so... Then we watched it on TV that night, and they were talking about the worst two drug blocks in New York City. And one was the street we just moved to, Avenue C, between <laughs> 8th and 9th, and the other one was 160th Street and Broadway. And then you discovered your wife was in the cartel. 
No, no. no. She was an artist. So Alphabet City, mm-hmm. home of that great uh, Joe Strummer mural. Are you familiar with this mural? I don't know if it was there then. I do. I I, I have seen that. I think yeah. that's on A or B. I think it's over there. Yeah, it's somewhere like that. And what, what year were you in the? That when what I'm when we moved to Avenue C, that was 1991. Okay, the year punk broke. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I remember that happening. But later that year, we moved around the corner to. Sixth Street between B and C, mm-hmm. and that was a great place. That was a like a railroad flat, and it was old, and it was like it still it still had the you know the very tall wooden windows, and the floor was a hardwood floor, but it was like the planks were crude. Yeah, and then it was like they had the old square nails in it. It was oh, wow. a long, beautiful apartment. Wow. Well, I, I you you seemed almost uh, embarrassed that. I would want to be in your your man cave. Oh, but, I am not embarrassed so much as it, like I don't share it with other people. It's like I mean, this well, is like kind of like you my should. private private well, space. Well, I understand to work. that, but but when you're talking about this apartment in in Alphabet City, it's that funkiness that I think you've brought to this room that I also love. I don't want cookie cutter stuff. I grew up in the suburbs. I've had yeah. plenty of that. Yeah, I want stuff that I. I think that's a guy from Devo over here. I, I see these little toys over here that look like uh, oh yeah, what, what I built in the the the, the in the the Cub Scouts. The those Boy Scouts. were built by my friend Lupe, and then I painted them. <laughs> this is what I want. This is big giant bald guy's head that reminds me of something out of Pee Wee's. Uh, uh... That, yeah, that was my my wife has an arts program, the Wisdom Arts Laboratory, and one year they were in the doodah parade, and so we built masks, and that and that's the one that we still have. It's beautiful. So they all had masks. And... I, I see a, uh, uh, is that a, a squire? Uh... That's a squire that my neighbor had when he, when they were, they moved recently, they moved to Maryland, and he had the squire, and he says, I know you play guitar, and you can, you want this squire. He gave away his, his fender with the nice whammy bar? To you? Yeah, he wasn't playing it. That was nice of him. Yeah, he was a nice guy. It was sad. Are you, it was sad that he moved away. Are you pretty good at guitar? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sufficient. I see what looks like a a, a a shrunken tuba, but it's not a tuba. Is that a sousaphone? It is a tuba. That is a tuba. It is a tuba. Yeah, it's a small. It's a tuba. child's tuba. No, it's just diminutive. It's a baby tuba. It's a baby tuba. We we need to feed it some vegetables. And that was it's kind of a yard tuba. My friend had it in his yard and I said, Can I have that? <laughs> and he said yes. A yard tuba. But I, I I know a young musical prodigy who can pretty much play any instrument. Uh-huh. And when he was a child, he picked up that tuba and started playing it. He could play it, no problem. He could play it. He could do the embouchure and everything. I don't know how what, how he could have he picks this out of the ether he he knew how to do it he's got the chops he's got the chops he's got he's, and he's a charmer so he let's, can play it let's go back to kpcc okay you do these announcements yes you're not allowed to call them commercials in in no, in, in the public radio station right we don't need to legally we can't we don't call them commercials because and and the the difference being a commercial 
they sort of they give you the directive. They tell you to do something. What Drink we Coke. do is we right, or what we do is let you know that something exists. Okay. That's the sort of the legal distinction. We can't we can't have a call to action that tells you to do this. We can just say what it is. Say it's a a show at a theater. Oh. And we just get we just say say what it is and then give the URL so that they can find out more information. The Hollywood Bowl will be presenting Jane's Addiction with Smashing Pumpkins. Do you love doing these announcements? Yes. Very much. What? It's when, a good job. It's a dream job. How many takes does it usually make you? How many takes do you normally take? How, why can't I say well, this? I'm not, I could never do I your know, job. I, but I get exactly what you mean. But I don't think in terms of doing it on one take. What I usually do. You don't. No, I, I, what I was because I've got time. I'm, I'm producing everything before it airs, so I've got time to actually get familiar with it and do the one that I like. So usually, what I do is do three or four. And I always try to end on the one I want to use. I don't have a lot of indecision about which one it's going to be. It's always going to be the last one. So I keep doing it until I get the one I like. Yes. And that's just how I do it. So I've always got maybe at least three. Um, And a lot of times there will be a sound in one, a disagreeable sound. (laughs) And so I can Frankenstein it. I can cut out something uh, out of one take and use it in another, I mean, which I don't you do all the time, but I, I like to have the option to do it, using one for parts. I, this is very inside baseball. Do you do this in a tiny room or in one of these big studios? What do you prefer? Oh, I do it in here. Um, the, the, you this, do your... This behind me, that's my vocal What? See, it's, there's a microphone in there. It's got the light, and that's that's. I have a vocal booth You have a here. VO room in yeah. this man cave? Yeah. Hold on just a yeah. second. You know, it's funny that that is happening now because that is the kind of thing I have to deal with all the time. It's helicopters and other aircraft, garbage trucks, Amazon vehicles. I just, I just didn't expect them arms. in the rain to be out there. It must be. They're the out there in all weather. I love this room. You got a it's sewing a machine room. over here. Yeah. A lot of projects happened in okay. this house. Okay. Let's wrap up with... Um, what would you like to wrap up with? What have we left out? Well, depending on when this airs, I can plug something. Please plug okay, something. Okay, so Hey There Projects, which is the gallery I told you about that I work with, and, and I you know, have the greatest feelings towards them. They are working with the Eisenberg Center. Well, Eisenberg Space, I guess is what you'd call it. It's in Pasadena, and they have an event like a holiday event on November 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Space at Azenberg, which is 39 East Walnut Street in Pasadena. That's right at the corner of Fair Oaks and Walnut. And that night, I'll be there doing a presentation on the Nib Giebel's calendar. Oh, that's with what a we, slideshow. That's what we didn't mention. Nib Giebel's. Nib Giebel's. Nib Giebel's. Yeah. Can you spell that for people? G-E-E-B-L-E-S. But it starts with N-I-B. N-I-B would be, so if you think of Nib Giebel's as a person, a lot of people have a crazy side. Mine has a name. Nib Giebel's. N-I-B-G-E-E-B-L-E-S. Can you explain this for us, please? As a young person, my friends and I always created irrational alternative identities for each other. And that one stuck. My friend, when we were walking around one day, 
He dropped all his stuff, and a letter fell out of his backpack. And I looked at it, and it was addressed to Nib Gables, and I knew it was to me. But I didn't say anything. But he just he picked it up, and he didn't want me to see it. He picked it up and put it in his backpack again. And then I got it in the mail a few days later. And from then on, I just was like, that was the, what I called what I did. Because it's sort of like, as an artist, what I always wanted to do was sort of let the irrational side of myself have a platform where I could be free. And we've talked about the side of myself, which is more like the earthly concerns. I'm at work. So I'm Gordon Henderson at work, and I don't mix business with pleasure. I'm Gordon Henderson, and I'm rational, and I show up to work on time, and I do my job, and I'm very dedicated to it. But on the side, I have this whole other thing, which is not about fitting in or being polite or anything like that. It's it sort of takes the part of, say, what Coney Island once did for people. It's a place where you can be irrational and be yourself and have fun. And so that's the way I think of the, the Nib Gables calendar. Who coined this? Can we give him a shout out? Yes, we can, because he was one of my best friends then, and he still is now. And his name is Robert Caruso, and he is a very unusual, a rare person, a person who is actually smart in business, but is also an extremely creative person. He was very charismatic and hilarious at all times, and does we he, grew up together. Does he still live in Ohio? No, no, no. He lives well, in that? Northern California. Fantastic. He has a company, the Caruso Company, and they're oh, he, he a, built, a production he, company. Oh, he, he isn't the man who, who built uh, the Americana? No, he absolutely. He is absolutely not <laughs> that person. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I would say that they are not related in in style and substance or any I don't think that there's any connection between those two. <laughs> well, Gordon, what a pleasure to have you down here. The or, pleasure has what, been all mine. What, what am I saying? Like this is mine now. What a pleasure for you to allow me to be here today. Thanks for having me on your show. And um uh if you do have today's a, a terrible day to take pictures around your house and around your garden and your and all that. If you if you want to, if you can send me some photos of your house um, or the the garden, whatever you feel comfortable with, I, I don't want any stalkers, right? But if you can show some of this to um, our audience, because I have a website, okay, and it'd be great to to share with people, um, especially younger people who might put all their stuff under their bed, and we don't right. want them to do that forever. Right, that's right. Don't put your poems under the bed go out and have a conversation with the public. Well, thanks for having a conversation with me. It was my pleasure. Thank you. How great was Gordon? You know who we chill with in their man caves on a cold November rain? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, that asswife sheriff is gone. Here's all the money I've got. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, and Ben from Down Under. Want to support this fine podcast that features beautiful souls like Gordon? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. We're also on the lookout for cool guests. If you know of anybody that lives in a neighborhood in L.A., not a city, and has a story to tell or an expertise to teach me, have them write at busblog at gmail.com. 
Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you gotta do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you just spent 100 million bucks to be mayor of LA, and it's not like that money gets returned, you can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook, OMG Post 2. Tweet something nice about it. Anytime you see me tweet about an episode, retweet it. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them that here in LA is spelled with an A, and it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify and Amazon. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and by a man who's met Gordon too, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Gord- Jordan Katz. Gordon. Jordan Gordon. He's been called worse, I'm sure. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and uh, public radio supporters like you. Raymond, 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 Raym